As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to On Farm. I'm Anna Davis and thank you as always for joining us. As we come out of lockdown and the sun starts to shine, thoughts for many of us, uh, certainly for me anyway, turn to travel holidays and doing whatever we can to get out of the house. Bookings for UK holidays went up by 300% in 2020, according to an article in the Independent newspaper. Whilst this is at least partly driven by uncertainty around foreign holidays and travel rules, bookings for UK holidays were already rising by over 10% per year, long before COVID struck. Another piece of research from Booking.com suggests that nearly half of us plan to spend more of our holiday time in our home country in future. All this amounts to uh, an opportunity for those of us running farm businesses, often in some of the most beautiful and coveted parts of Scotland. So this episode is for you if you've ever wondered about how you would start agritourism on your farm, whether it's offering bed and breakfast, converting a barn to a bunkhouse or putting in bell tents to start a glamping offer. We have got useful advice for you. We have with us experts from two companies, Douglas Hume and Co, chartered accountants and tax experts who advise farms and rural businesses on how to make the most of their assets. And also FBR Seed, surveyors and land agents with a big focus on farm and estate management and diversification. I won't say too much about them now. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves at the start of the chat. I'm Cheryl McCauley. I'm one of the directors at Douglas Human Co, Chartered Accountants and Tax Advisors. Our main office is in Kelso and we have offices all around uh, the borders, Edinburgh and North England. I've been with the firm since 2002, so nearly 20 years, um, and became a director goodness, um, about nine years ago. Um, my main job in the firm is to do tax planning for our clients so inheritance tax uh, capital gains tax income tax that is the more exciting parts of the accountancy and tax world thank you Cheryl now obviously this is a podcast so people can't see you but you really do not look old enough to have been working there for 20 odd years that's unbelievable um but thank you uh, David if you could also do the same thing please and tell us who you are and what you do I'm the managing director of FBR Seed, which is a, a merger of two companies a year ago, FBR from Kelso and Seed & Co from Duns. And we employ about 30 people and look after land, property and buildings for clients all over all over Scotland, but mainly in the southeast and up into the Lothians. And I'm also a, I'm also a farmer with a, as, a, as a family farming partnership. All of that keeps me... Uh, gainfully employed all of the time. I also am far too 
young looking, although you can't see me, I'm far too young looking to have done this for about 35 or 40 years, obviously. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth there, David. But I was also thinking, um, you obviously don't have very much time to twiddle your thumbs because it sounds like you've got plenty, like you said, to, to keep you occupied. I still try to find plenty of time to do um, lots of pastimes in the in the area here, shooting and fishing and all the different things. So I try to get a try. I still do try to get a good balance, and I think I'm a, a reasonable delegator, which is always a, a useful skill to learn for anybody. Definitely, yes. I I think um, I've only semi mastered that skill myself. So uh, you might have to give me some tips later on. Um, what have you noticed over the last few years um, from speaking to various clients and even just chatting to, to friends and, and neighbours about the idea of, of on-farm tourism? Well, you're completely right. Over the last few years, this sector of the diversified business you know, for, for farms has grown hugely. And in the last year and this year, it's continuing in this sort of hundreds of percent in increase due to not being able to to go abroad, and so you know it's a massive opportunity. But even before twenty twenty and and COVID, you know, many many farms and estates and and other landowners were um, trying to expand into this market, and glamping had become very popular. We have many clients and many friends who have farms and and uh, bits of land in in Scotland and all all over the UK who are trying to benefit from this and and get on and and start something up. Diversification, it's actually just looking at the opportunities that come along and working out how you can benefit from them. According to the independent newspaper, the number of UK holiday bookings rose by a whopping 300% in 2020, presumably as an almost direct result of COVID and the inability of people to travel abroad. But actually, as you said, David, even before COVID, bookings for holidays within the UK were still rising by at least 10% per year. So it sounds very exciting. It is very exciting. And it creates an opportunity for many businesses. But we can't any of us just wake up one day and decide, right, that's it. As of today, I'm now a tourism operator. Cheryl, a question for you, really. You know, there are so many considerations when looking at projects like this, but for most people, the primary one has to be financial. Can I afford this? What financial implications are there? And am I going to make a profit, I suppose, are the key questions. Um, it, this, is, this is a biggie for you, I suppose, in, in terms of a question. But you know, where should people's thinking start when they've got this seed of an idea when it comes to the financials behind it? Planning is absolutely the key because if you have the, the right stepping stones in the beginning, then it's a, a lot easier. If you get it wrong and have to unravel and restructure and things in the future, it, it can be a bit of a nightmare. So planning is absolutely key. You have to think about all taxis when you come to, to look at a kind of new project. It, it might seem that it's it's, an, it's a great opportunity for income tax. However, it may have a knock-on effect to inheritance tax or capital gains tax. So it's it's really important that you look across all taxes and VAT as well, because that can always that can always be be one to to to, to watch out for. Um, it it really depends who's going to be involved in the project. So you may have um one generation of farmers and the new generation coming up. Is it the new generation that that's project? You know, they, are they going to take this project on on their own? Uh, where's the money coming from? Do they have to borrow the money? Who's going to borrow the money? 
and, and as you say, is it going to make any money? So it's an, it's a really important that you kind of look at cash flows um, and, and see where you know how much this is going to cost. What's the likely income streams that you're going to get from it, and is there anything to watch to watch out for? Sometimes the agricultural sector or the rural sector can be a bit private, I suppose, and and you know we can't we can't blame them. But are there any are there any models um, or any kind of public case studies, as it were, that that you're aware of that people can essentially follow? You know, this these are the steps that I need to follow when thinking about the financials for creating a self catering business or a glamping site, or or is that something that very much needs to be done on an individual basis? I would say it's a, on an individual basis because every farming family will be different. Just because your neighbour next door is doing it one way doesn't mean to say it's going to be right for you. As I say, it's really important to plan and to speak to people like myself and David to ensure that you know the, you, you've got off on the right foot. David, if if we're sort of thinking of somebody's got a, an idea, they want to say they've got an old steading building and they want to convert it into three self-catering cottages, for an example. What's the very first thing they need to do? Do they need to sit down and have a meeting with somebody like yourself and with their accountant round a table? Obviously, that's a bit more challenging these days. It might be a Zoom call. What's the very first thing to do once you've had this brainwave of an idea? It's, it's just interesting today because actually I was reading this morning, it, the headline in today's papers of the farm, farm incomes have fallen by a third in the last year. So the pressure is really on. We've got... The Brexit situation looming, you know, to come to reality in a, in a few years' time when we're looking at, you know, subsidies disappearing and people really need to think of what they're going to do. And, you know, most people will be listening to this and most farmers, you know, a lot of people have already diversified or thought about it and they've got a, a good idea of what they should do. But, but if you haven't, if you haven't thought about it and you're thinking, you know, let's try and either jump on the, the, the bandwagon for this year. I mean, I, I would say that the first thing is to look at look at what you've got. Don't don't just commit yourself to, you know, you've got you've got an old building. Look at what your resources are and see if there's things that are underutilized in terms of either buildings or land or or people or whatever. But you also need to be careful right at the start. I mean, when you when you hear these statistics about farm incomes falling, you've got to make sure that your core business is absolutely perfectly run as best as it can be because. A business that's not going well won't go any better if you add something else onto it. You've got to get that bit right first. And then I would say at the moment, um, it's almost like a two-tier um, opportunity. You know, the, the long-term glamping, um, self-catering or, or any sort of um, you know on-farm holiday staycation things, you really need to plan them really carefully. The, the, you need a business plan, you need marketing, you need to know what planning, what you need to do with change of use and, and all your local authority situations, your insurance, you know, how it's going to affect having all these people going around that you're not, you're not used to having. And so I think actually there's a real opportunity this year, which is, is um, something that people can latch on to quite quickly because the one thing that has changed is that there is a 28-day um, a rule in Scotland and all over the UK actually where you're allowed to have temporary structures for up to 28 days without having planning in place. The last year and this year, that's been changed. In England, it's become the 56-day rule. And in Scotland, it's just become a very loosely um, based thing. But basically, you can put up a, a temporary structure like a tent or a, or a coffee 
shop or something like that and operate that. And the local authority, under the instruction of the Scottish government, are to then let it continue to try and help the situation. Now, I think there's a real opportunity this year for people who are thinking they fancy a bit of staycation, they fancy investing in the longer term and they want to convert the building and look at all that. It's a good chance to to do something on a smaller scale and find out how much you like having a whole bunch of strangers walking about your farm, potentially leaving litter, doing things you might not like. How 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 do you fancy checking people in the Saturday afternoon every week, cleaning things out and getting them ready for the next lot coming in, handling the the bookings, the complaints, the the issues that come along? And I think there's a real opportunity this year for people to try and do that because. If you go for planning and you try to do the bigger, longer-term operation, that invariably will take you months. You've got to do the business plan properly. You've got to do the planning. You've got to get things in place. So you're effectively not going to start that operation till sometime next year. And you don't really want to miss out on on this year where there's this huge growth. The, o- the other thing we don't know is, is this um, massive increase going to continue into next year and the years to come? The number of people putting in staycation opportunities has increased hugely. And when the holiday market goes back to a more normal situation, will these people continue to holiday at home or might you have something that is hard to fill and you've got to cut prices? So a lot of thinking to be done and lots of research to be done. And I think that um, one of the issues in Scotland and, and all the UK is you've got lots of tenanted farms, which you know have as, have as big a difficulty as any in trying to diversify, but you need to get you need to get permission from your landlord to diversify into anything, and you can't just start putting up some tents and um, invite 20, 20 lots of people along to come and, and stay. So you have to think about that too, and that is something I would advise. You get specialist advice on that because you could get yourself into trouble pretty quickly by irritating the lease, and and that is a something that can be avoided by talking with your landlord or your landlord's agent or people like ourselves in advance. Thank you, David. Yeah, that was very interesting. And um, it sounds like you've got a couple of dogs barking in the background. You've maybe, you may be like me and you've got deliveries coming every five minutes and then the dogs start going and you can't keep them quiet. But um, I like to have a bit of genuine noise in the background of our podcast, so I'm glad to hear them. <laughs> that is Buzz and Lulu, who are very, very small dashhounds, but have got this huge bark on them, which they bark at everything <laughs> and everybody. They're, guard um, dogs, very scary guard dogs. Scary, yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, We've heard anecdotally that people listen to these podcasts because they want to learn something. And you've taught me something already because I did not know about the 28 day rule in terms of of the relaxation. So, as you said, that is particularly relevant this summer because whilst we do like to be positive, we have to be a bit realistic here. And I suppose everybody has to think, don't they, that setting up any kind of on-farm tourism requires hard work and as you alluded to you know it requires working on a Saturday it requires managing staff potentially it requires cleaning loos we've got to be realistic that it's difficult and so to to have the opportunity to give it a try this year sounds like a really valuable opportunity. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that farmers don't work on a Saturday because we know plenty of them and they work of course, all, yeah. all the hours that there are. <laughs> the, the point is, though, you know, in our in our own management business, we look after many caravan and camping sites and glamping sites and holiday accommodation. And we've helped to set up many, many successful 
camping and and on and on farm catering and all sorts of different different things throughout the whole of Scotland. And um, not everyone is a success, success, and not everybody enjoys the process once they once they get there. So I think I think the hardest thing will be in April where we are now trying to source ten bell tents and all the things that go with them. I think the waiting list for that is is huge, and um, I think the opportunities are, are are harder to find now. But However, having said that, you can open up a field and cut the grass and have an access and a parking space where people can bring their own their own tents and their own cycling equipment and and, and just sort of self manage and and that gives you a bit of a taste of it. I mean, a lot of farms in Scotland are are subject to tenancies and and tenants do need to do be able to diversify too. Now there is a method to do that. You notify your landlord and it takes about seventy days and and a process goes go, is gone through. But to do this quickly, you wouldn't be able to do that and, and get the the wave of this this market this year. And so therefore, the best thing to do is to speak to your landlord, your landlord's agent, and get them to agree, okay, try it and see how you get on or, or, or find out if they even are going to let you do it. Because the last thing you want to do is suddenly have 10 tents in a in your paddock behind your house and find that you've irritated the lease and you're in bother and you don't want that to happen. So it's important that people take good advice and think in advance and Look at all the possible downsides. We we are very positive, and we always want people to do well, and we want people to go in with their eyes wide open, and that is a is an important thing in something like this. So it's a a good chance this year potentially. Definitely, I think yeah. Try before you buy. In essence, I guess. Um, Cheryl, we've probably got two scenarios here haven't we we've got the long-term scenario somebody might be doing uh, a long have a long-term view of some self-catering cottages for example but just for the meantime because David's raised this really interesting and and very valid issue of of you know how, how can people take advantage of summer 2021 which is just around the corner so from a tax point of view what do people need to do for this short-term project first of all then I think if it was just for a, as you say, a, tr- a try, a trial um, this summer, then to keep things simple, it would it would probably best just to keep it within the the normal farming structure and and run it through there. Uh, it's it's only going to be for you know the fifty days or whatever David mentioned there, so it's not a long t- long term position. So I, I would rather than complicate anything, I would just use that time and, and run it through the, the the original structure that you have in place. But imagine for a second, and we we hope that people find it successful. They get customers through the door. They decide, actually, I think this is for me. I'm going to set up a permanent shower block uh, or I might purchase some bell tents for longer term use or I might convert some farm buildings into a hostel or some more more luxury self-catering, whatever it might be. I mean, gosh, for me, I mean, we've actually done a similar project on our farm. And I remember this 2018 kind of sitting down thinking, where do we start here? You know, we're going to have to borrow some money to do this. The builders are arriving, you know, um, they'll be charging VAT. Can we claim VAT back? And then when we've got people arriving to occupy the buildings, do we have to charge them VAT? I remember. I just remember. I'm not a financial person at all, and I remember just feeling a bit bamboozled. So, um, from your perspective, what what should people do straight away? They decide that this is definitely for them. What do they need to do when it comes to the figures? Because we don't want people to to, to feel overwhelmed and uh, and scared before they've even got going. Yeah. So you need to work out how much it's going to cost you initially, and all. 
more often than not, it costs more than you ever think it's going to. Um, so you need to kind of build on that, that kind of buffer. The structure of it is important. So if you've got perhaps a family farming partnership, do you want it within the family farming partnership or, or a separate entity, whether that's uh, I know another partnership with different partners or a small limited company or maybe just a simple sole trader? Um, the VAT point comes into force there. So, uh, you know, the farm will be VAT registered. Do you really want these bell tents or lodges or whatever to be to be VAT registered as well. Holiday lets are standard rated for VAT. So if you are VAT registered, then you must charge VAT onto your customers. And when your customers are just human beings and individuals, they, you know, that, that's an extra cost to them. So that, you know, that if you're running it through the, the usual partnership, you will have to consider the VAT there. If you set up a new structure and the, the income is going to be under the, the VAT threshold, it can be it, it can be separate and, and you wouldn't need to register necessarily. However, if you don't register, then you're, you're not able to claim any of the VAT back on, on the kind of purchase or the renovations. Um, and in, in that case, you'd need to look at what VAT rates would be applicable to, to what you're doing. So, you know, if you're renovating a property, there may be um, lower rates of VAT applicable depending on the building VAT is a minefield when it comes to property but um you know if you're if you're renovating an old building that's never been lived in for for a for a long time then then you can perhaps um have the lower rates of five percent rather than 20 so again it's it's bringing that in into the equation as well when you're looking at costings um, and holiday lets you can claim capital allowances on holiday lets so Everybody will probably know you can claim a capital allowance on a tractor or a combine. But when it comes to property, there's lots of things within the properties that you can claim capital allowances on. And again, it's bringing that tax relief into the kind of costings, if you like. Mainly, you're looking at plumbing, electricity. The bell tents are an odd one when it comes to capital allowances. If they're if they're going to be up all year round, then probably not. But if you're putting them up and taking them down and moving them around the farm, then you could possibly get capital allowances on the on the full amount of, of the tent. So again, it's it's looking at the various um options available to you. Um what you know, are you renovating a property or are you putting tents up? Because again, it would be completely diff- different. And just looking again at all the taxes in the round. Um, mentioned at the beginning, you know, it might be great for income tax. You might get a great income. You've got lots of allowances, so you're not your tax liability on them might be very small. However, holiday lets are always questionable when it comes to inheritance tax and, and, and in particular business property relief. So you might have a farm that's absolutely fine. You've got APR, you've got BPR, and you know your inheritance tax positions looking great. You suddenly put a holiday cottage on there and it it could tip the scale and, and create that you know your farming business is no longer farming it's it's more investment and that's the last thing you would you would want to do so it's very important that you look at inheritance tax when you come to new projects and you know having one cottage is probably going to be fine but if you start looking at a caravan site or something like that you have to be very careful yeah, um, David, that, that the inheritance tax situation is really interesting, I think, uh, particularly in relation to something you said earlier, which is that often, not always, but often it's perhaps the younger generation who have this idea to do something different and expand out beyond farming. But they may have the idea, but it may not be that the younger generation that's currently holding the reins of the business. You know, there might be a whole kind of succession 
um, thing to consider as well as the inheritance tax when that farm passes on. What advice would you have for people when it comes to, to, to not family disputes, that's too strong a word, but, you know, family arrangements, I suppose, because, you know, let's face it, not everybody in a family might think that a glamping site is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, um, inheritance and succession is a, a massive subject all of its own. But I think in the whole process of deciding, you know, on something like a staycation or a, or a glamping or a, or a an on-farm diversification, you can you can take that into account when you when you set the business up, and and you can have a separate legal entity that is that is operated by by some other family member who really have a desire to see see to run a holiday business, and the and the old grumpy farmer like me doesn't want to do that; he just wants to sit in his tractor and and go down the field. And the last thing you want is all the, the the GP as we call them, the general public, going around generally. Uh, upsetting your life or, or seeing them as a nuisance or whatever. So so quite often the best thing you can do in that situation, which will also help in the succession planning, is to have something completely separate that the whoever's doing it has responsibility for it. Lots of people talk about, you know, how you get on to the succession situation. And part of the problem is that people having an income to to live off once they do that, but also having been able to prove themselves to do what it is that you, that that requires to be done in, in terms of the looking after the property and um, making a profit and and running the the whole thing, you know. So the, these new businesses within an existing business can be a really good starting point to get that succession running. And and also, you quite often have more than one family member who wants to be involved in the family business, and this gives them a chance to do that. And there are many different ways to set that up with, you know, different sort of partnerships and company structures and, and rental situations that you can do so that they make it a bit easier. One other thing that I was going to mention, which is just to put into the, to the mix at the moment, on the 1st of April this year, there was a change to the, which people might know, know about, the change to the general permitted development rules. It's now possible to um, develop an existing agricultural building into a residential property with up to 150 square metres without planning permission. The same also goes to an existing agricultural building can be turned into flexible commercial use up to 500 square metres of floor space, again, for things like farm shops or for vending machines or for some indoor activities. And all of these things can be can be done without um, getting the formal planning. And so you just have to write to the local authority. They've got 28 days to reply to you. If they don't reply, you assume you can do it. The only caveat to that is it does not apply where buildings are listed. If you've got listed buildings on your farm, say a traditional stone and slate building, you cannot um, just convert that. That has to go through full planning and that can be more expensive how you how you renovate that listed building anyway. But Ordinary steel portal sheds or um, or existing farm buildings can be converted without without consent. So that's a, a really useful widening of the of the rules to make it easier for people to operate. So that's something to consider at the moment as well, because you can actually do something quite quite quickly, relatively, if you had the right building for to maybe catch part of this market this year. Subject to doing a proper business plan and working out whether it's sensible and all the other things that go with it, of which there are many. Yes, and, and again, David, something else I didn't know, that could shave a lot of time off 
off getting started with a project and potentially some cost as well of, of the whole planning uh, having to go through planning. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you've touched in particular, although it won't only apply to tenants, but you've touched in particular to tenants, David, who sometimes find it more difficult to to borrow money in, in order to be able to do these uh, infrastructure, make any infrastructure changes because they perhaps have less, fewer assets that they can borrow against. For, for both of you, what what are your what would considerations be if you've got this project but you don't just have the money sitting in your back pocket ready to pay for it, and that you actually need to find a way to to borrow the money? Well, your first part of your question about about tenant farmers and and they they do have a little bit of a, a an issue when it comes to access to funds. You cannot you they don't often have enough things to secure loans against, whereas you know land landowners and farmers who own their own land can relatively straightforwardly, with a decent business plan and a proposition as to what they want to do, can borrow quite quite easily. And um, just to point, we are we are also AMC agents, and as such, we have the ability to put these these applications together for people. You can generally borrow up to sixty percent loan to value for a project that can give you a good return. So, subject to many other financial things that you need to look at, you you if you've got a if you've got a few hundred acres that these days are worth several thousand pounds per acre, you can soon borrow the money and interest rates at the moment are are historically low. From a tenant's point of view, it is more difficult. If you're if you're purely a tenant and you've got no asset to borrow against, it, it is more difficult and you have to find the funds the funds elsewhere. Now there are things at the moment, again, you've got COVID bounce back loans, you've got startup loans, you've got loads of opportunities coming along where for 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 once in a in a in a you know a long time people who do not have the ability to underwrite these with banks can put together a loan application and get get funds they couldn't normally get so now is the time to look at that i mean the 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 bounce back loan has just ended at the end of last month but i think the new the new startup loans are, are coming out so they keep an eye on all that and and again it's just taking advice and speaking to the professionals who are, you know, we're at the, we're at the sharp end, Sheldon and ourselves are at the sharp end of this all the time. We we have to know what's coming out every day at the moment. We have to learn the rules, look at what changes and make sure we can advise our clients properly. And, you know, if you take the right advice and look at what's out there, it's amazing what you can, what you can source and it's amazing what you can do. Yeah, Cheryl, I'd love to hear your viewpoint on that as well, because, you know, if somebody has a really, really brilliant idea and it's backed up by a, a sound business plan, I think it would be heartbreaking if then they weren't able to fund it to take it forward. So what are your thoughts on advice on on how to, to make it happen, as it were, from a financial point of view? Yeah, so again, I think the structure is important here because obviously, if if it's in within the main farming structure, it's probably a lot easier to get the funding. If the you know the next generation come through and set up a new limited company or such like, it, it may be a bit more difficult for them to get the funding, and it may have to be you know it may have to come via the farm to to make that work. So again, it's it's discussions with with the likes of David and making sure you know who can actually get the money. If you can't get it yourself, is there a way? around that and and just try our hardest to get them to get them the money um you know they're they're hope you know if it is a sound business plan you would hope somebody out there would would um lend but again as david says that there is a lot of um loan funding out there at the moment for in it which is that should be a little bit easier to get your hands on um and and uh, you know you're doing it to to try and and 
promote your business a bit more and uh, you know another income stream and I uh, get more people to the countryside and you know so there so there is a good story there to tell so it's it's just trying to make sure that 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 the story's the best it can be to get to get the money yeah absolutely I mean speaking from personal experience you know um, one of the the well known banks wasn't interested in our project at all, and we felt a bit downhearted downhearted by that. Another of the equally well known banks couldn't have been more enthusiastic. So actually, if you don't succeed first time, it doesn't mean that that your idea is bad. It might just mean that it doesn't fit with the lending priorities of that particular bank. Um, so yeah, give it another go would be my advice because if if yeah. if you've got a sound business plan that you and your accountant is convinced is, is, is going to be successful, then as you say, somebody somewhere will be willing to and keen to get behind that and, and support you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of lots of other funding bodies out there rather than the main banks now. There is a lot of variety out there. It's just, making, it's just knowing where to go and the likes of us can help with that. We also have a situation down here in the, in the borders. We now have the... South of Scotland Enterprise, which we have never had before, we have access potentially to funds in the in the border lands that never, never were available before. It's very similar to what what they used to have in the Highlands and Islands Development Fund. And so, you know, I know of one um, one caravan and camping site that's just been given funding for for um, their infrastructure. And you know, there are many things that if you've got confidence in your business plan and you definitely want to do it, and you're a determined person. You can get the funding and you can make it happen and, and make it happen successfully. That's having the confidence in what you want to do and making sure that people, if you can't find the right person on day one, don't give up. You'll find somebody and there's plenty of opportunities if you if you think about it a bit harder and look a bit harder. It's amazing what you can do. Very true. There's a phrase or a quote that's been following me around all of this week. I've read it three times in three separate places, which in itself is a bit freaky, but it was... It was Henry Ford, I think, who said it originally. And it's whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're probably right. Um, so it's, it's sometimes it's about determination and doing the right thing and planning. And if, if you really have everything stacked up behind you, you can make it happen. There's a very good one from, that's been going around from Charles, Charles Darwin's it's not the it's not the strongest or the fittest that survive. It's those that can adapt. They're the ones that survive, and that is not an exact quote. It's a sort of <laughs> it's the right words, but in a different order. <laughs> that could not be more true. I think within the farming sector, you know, over recent weeks we've talked about climate change and and weather and all sorts of things on the podcast. And the common theme, whether it comes to diversification in new projects or whether it comes to, to weather that you can't control is is you have to be adaptable otherwise you can't survive i'd just like to to reiterate that speaking to people in the first instance is the most important thing don't just rush off and do an idea speak to people first planning is the absolute key you need to make sure that that you've got off on the right foot yeah quite right and david what what do you think what 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 else do people need to be hearing from us at this stage? Well, <clears throat> once you've done your business plan, got your funding, decided you definitely want to do it, you then you then got to look at the sort of operational aspects of what you're doing and how that's going to work. So making making sure your resources are properly, look at your insurance, your, your insurance policy for your farm will change considerably. You suddenly take you on a big risk, the general public coming on, they trip over things, they fall into things, they turn up in places they shouldn't be and so on. 
you get litter that cattle eat and you know you know you get a plastic bag that's eaten by a cow in a silage field things like that happen you've got to be prepared for things that are not not always going to go as swimmingly as you want there's also the marketing and the booking you know there's going to be a huge number of these sites out there all over the country you've got to make sure your product gets to the top of the top of the search engines and top of the top of the list so people see it and you've got to get your get all your social media sorted out you've got to learn all about that you've got to work out your whole marketing strategy your booking platform get it as full as it can be and then look to how you can diversify your diversification to make it all the add-ons that go with it and horse riding and farm walks and farm tours and you know it's endless it becomes a an endless thing that just grows and grows if you get it right Thank you to David and to Cheryl for such great and comprehensive advice. If you're thinking of starting an agritourism business, hopefully that set you on the right track and given you some information that would be really useful. Or maybe you weren't thinking of doing anything like that before listening and the chat has inspired you to start thinking about it. But either way, thank you for joining us and I hope you found it useful. Douglas Hume & Co are chartered accountants and tax experts with eight offices throughout Scotland and Northern England. As you've heard in the episode, they are extremely good at helping rural businesses make the most of their assets and being proactive about things like tax efficiency, succession planning and a host of other services. FBR Seed are specialist rural surveyors and land agents offering unrivaled expertise in farm and estate management and an extensive working knowledge of rural business assets. Again, that expertise is very clear from the chat that we've just had. Huge thanks, as always, to everyone who likes, shares and promotes on-farm episodes on social media and elsewhere. Please do keep telling people about us and obviously particularly share this episode with anyone thinking of getting involved in agritourism. Our usual reminder before we go that On Farm is made by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. If you need a new brand, logo, website, social media management or advice on any type of communications, we are people to speak to, so do just get in touch. Thank you again for listening and we shall see you next time.